a look at news, analysis, and insight from around the Big Ten Conference. This is Big Ten Paradigm, part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. And here's your host, Mark Rogers. All right, college football fans, welcome back to another edition of Big Ten Paradigm. Joining us, uh, of course, on the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Network, we are so thankful and appreciative to be part of this uh, amazing network. So if you love college football, we've got you covered coast to coast. So check out all the podcasts right here on College Gridiron Coast to Coast. This is, of course, Big Ten Paradigm, and let's look at week six. My name is Mark Rogers. You can join me on YouTube every day talking college football at the Voice of College Football. Best discussion, debate, and analysis of the game we all love each and every day with you. And so join us right there. All right, let's look back at week six. Ohio State blasted Michigan State. They could have named the score. They scored the sixth touchdown of the game just a couple minutes into the third quarter. So Michigan State continues to have all sorts of issues. Michigan was in a tussle with Indiana in Bloomington. 10-10 game at halftime. The Wolverines put it into gear in the second half and pulled away from the Hoosiers 31-21. Penn State was off. Those are the three monsters in the East as expected. And we get our first Big Titanic matchup in the Big Ten Eastern Division coming up this Saturday. But we're going to turn our attention to the West because we're putting a cap on week six here. And the two most important outcomes in this conference over the weekend were involving Big Ten Western Division teams. Let's get this out of the way. In the preseason, Wisconsin was the preseason favorite by the media and most publications, and they were, after a lot of deliberation, my selection for the Big Ten Western Division. I really poured over Purdue and Minnesota in particular, but I did officially go with Wisconsin, so it's on record. And, of course, the Badgers off to an 0-2 start before finally get, getting off the schneid against Northwestern 42-7. to and with all the issues that Wisconsin has had this season, if they can beat Northwestern by five touchdowns, God help Pat Fitzgerald and that Northwestern program because he may have his worst team in 17 years. Iowa's the defending champion, but they lose again. That's a second consecutive week. We'll get to that in just a second. Nebraska showing a little bit of life against uh, two of the doormats in Indiana two weeks ago. And then against Rutgers on Friday night. And, of course, that was Kirk Herbstreet's preseason pick, Nebraska. And they're a bit of a wild card. That at 2-1 and one in the division now will have to uh, play much better football against teams of a higher caliber. Speaking of which, let's get to the two teams I really want to talk about. Purdue. Purdue won the most important game of the weekend. And I know a lot of Illinois fans are going to argue with that, but follow my logic here. Purdue has to play Penn State and Maryland out of the Eastern Division. So this is so key to the Western Division. If you look at the champion each and every season coming out of the West, you first and foremost look at who did they play in the East. Did they have to play Ohio State-Michigan? Did they have to play Michigan State when they were good? And, of course, Penn State as well. 
the teams that avoid those teams on the schedule out of their three non-division games are almost season to season. If you can avoid two of the big three or a Michigan State when they're good, like they were last year, then you're going to win the division. So for Purdue, I'm not going to call this a must-win situation, but this was the most important outcome of the weekend. They had already lost to Penn State, so they had one loss on their record already in the Big Ten. And they've got this game against Maryland. And even though Maryland's probably as good a team as Purdue, and based on, shoot, watching these two teams play on Saturday, I watched almost every play of this game, they could play 10 times and split 5-5. Five and five. But Maryland playing in the East, we cannot expect them to challenge for the championship. So this, is, this was all about Purdue in regards to championship aspirations. And Purdue won the game. Aiden O'Connell and the receivers, they're the guys to get the spotlight. They are the brand of the program at this point. Jeff Brom's a passing guy. He's an offensive guy, pass first. And that's what this program is all about. But that's not the way they've won the last two weeks. The defenses that they have played over the last two weeks, first the Golden Gophers and Saturday the Terps, took away the passing game for the most part. They took away the deep shots from Aiden O'Connell and also O'Connell suffering from that rib injury that uh, took him out of the game against Florida Atlantic. Uh, He really showed uh, effects from that injury against Minnesota. They dialed it down. And he threw a lot of passes against Maryland. But again, the deep shots weren't there. And I think that was a combination of Aiden O'Connell getting over the rib injury. He's, he's still not quite there. And then also Maryland's approach on defense. Take away the deep shots. Purdue wins over Maryland 31-29. Controversial finish in this one. As Purdue capitalized on a lot of Maryland mistakes. A lot of penalties, a lot of mistakes. Two of Purdue's scores came directly because of Maryland penalties that kept drives alive. Then Purdue was the team that made the mistakes in the second half with three turnovers. So they overcame the three turnovers. And also the first off game from star wide receiver Charlie Jones. Only three catches for 15 yards. He also deflected a pass that was turned into an interception. All right, the late game situation was that Purdue led 24-17. Maryland scores to make it 24-23. Purdue gets a blocked kick on the PAT by Cam Allen. Now, I saw the replay three times, and I think he went offsides. And the play was reviewed, but they ruled that he was not offsides. So the blocked PAT stood and Purdue led 24-23. So they get the ball. And then Payne Durham had a Payne Durham moment. If you remember the Music City Bowl last year when Payne Durham dragged half of the Tennessee team down the field, he had one of those moments again. They hit him for a long pass. It turned out to be a 56-yard play. And he was just stiff-arming dudes, throwing dudes on their rear end. Just by the time that the Maryland defense had caught up to him, there were like 12 guys on his back. I think they brought guys from the sideline to jump on Payne Durham, and he dragged the whole play inside the five-yard line. Purdue then 
tried to take its time scoring. They were not just bleeding the play clock, but they also actually ran a play in which Aiden O'Connell clearly could have scored, but he just kind of ducked into the line and set the ball up at the one-yard line. Purdue eventually scores, but we got a two-point conversion situation here, so the game was not put away. They went up 31-23. There was about 45 seconds left in the game. Talia Tungavailoa has a tremendous drive, leads uh, the Terps down the field. They score the touchdown with seconds left, 31-29. Go for the two-point conversion, of course. They had to. They convert that to Raheem Jarrett. Looked like a tie game, looked like overtime. But ineligible offensive lineman downfield. I really hate that call. I know that it's there for a reason because you don't want offensive linemen uh, going downfield, blocking on plays in which the quarterback's throwing the football. Doesn't make sense. It's not fair to get an offensive lineman downfield in which a play where the quarterback eventually throws the ball and the offensive lineman's making a block five yards downfield. So I understand the rule, why it's in the rule book, but sometimes it's a bit of a questionable call. Purdue stopped the second attempt at the two-point conversion. So there you go. Purdue wins 31-29. Maybe it was justice. Maybe it was justice, at least on the Purdue side, because they really, really should have won the game at at, uh, Syracuse. And they were kind of screwed by the officials there. Bad judgment, bad context by the officials at the Carrier Dome. And Purdue lost that game. So... This was more important for them, of course, a Big Ten game. And so they pull away for the win. They win 31-29 as Maryland did not get the onside kick. All right, so think of it this way as well now. Purdue's got Penn State and Maryland out of the way. Their only Eastern Division game left is Indiana, the old Oaken Bucket game at the end of the season. While the rest of the Western Division has to play eight games left against Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and Maryland. Purdue's got a game against Nebraska coming up this week. That's going to be another big one. And now we're basically going to see the East and the West primarily go into division play. So now Purdue's got everything in front of them. They won this game against Maryland. They won the most important game of the Big Ten season, of this young Big Ten season, in division play against Minnesota already. So Purdue's notched two extremely important wins They're a 13.5-point favorite at home against Nebraska this week. Hey, guys, with the college football season heading toward the midway point, you need a sportsbook with integrity and longevity that you can rely on, like BetUs. Did you know that BetUs has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for over 25 years, paying their loyal customer base quickly and securely? Well, we want you to go to BetUs.com and take advantage of an offer we have With all our shows right here at the College Gridiron Coast to Coast, you'll receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using our code COAST22. That's COAST22. Put $100 in. Get an additional $125 to play with, or $200 initially deposited gets you $250 and so on. And bet us also as the NFL, Major League Baseball postseason, and soon the NBA, as well as almost any sport you can think of. But we know you are college football fans first and foremost, and we want you to be with us all season long on BetUs.com. 
Check them out, betus.com, and remember our 125% match bonus for initial signups with our code COAST22. Bet us. You bet, you win, you get paid. All right, let's talk Illinois. They played the other important outcome in this conference in Week 6. Brett Bielema said after the game, well, shoot, he's been saying since he arrived at Illinois, hey, these are the type games and the type wins that need to be the expectation, not an aberration. And that's what they've been at Illinois for, shoot, since Ron Zook was there. And that was only a, a blink of an eye. Illinois is 5-1 and one for the first time since 2011. They have defeated Iowa now for the first time since uh, 2008, defeated Wisconsin and Iowa. And, of course, Brett Bielema has ties to both schools. His alma mater is Iowa. He head coached at uh, Wisconsin, of course. Went to three consecutive Rose Bowls. Illinois defeats Wisconsin and Iowa in the same season for the first time since 1989. Brett Bielema told his team during the week, he said, I want to get you ready for this game. And he read off all the scores. He said this after the game. Read off all the scores to the team that Iowa had played this season. Meaning, these are the scores of the games. And these are the scores entering the fourth quarter. It's going to be this kind of game. It's going to be 3-3, 6-3, 6-6. That kind of game. It just is. So I want to get you ready. The offense, you may be frustrated. But I want you to be patient. Because we're going to beat them down in the fourth quarter. And that's what they did with one Chase Brown. It might be time, or maybe we wait a week and see how they play against Minnesota and Chase Brown in particular, to start the Heisman hype for Chase Brown. He leads the nation in rushing with 879 yards. He has run for at least 100 yards in all the games this year and one going back to last season. Seven consecutive 100-yard efforts for Chase Brown. Artur Sikowski, the former Rutgers quarterback and former starting quarterback for Illinois. Tommy DeVito's the starter now, but he had to leave in the second quarter due to an ankle injury. Artur Sikowski came in, and he was shaky. He threw a pick in the red zone, actually at the goal line, that really could have break, broke open a game uh, here. When, when you say break open a game, you're talking about Illinois-Iowa playing a 9-6 game. So one touchdown would have broken the game open because there was no no touchdowns scored in this game. This is the first time since 1995 that Illinois played a game in which neither team scored a touchdown. And these are the kind of statistics and the kind of facts that go along with all these Iowa games. But Artur Sikowski comes in. He was shaky to start. And he actually fumbled the football, but he was down. Uh, Cooper DeGene picked it up for Iowa, ran it, the length of the field with about two minutes left in the game and what appeared to be the game-winning touchdown. Review called it back. Artur Sikowski managed the game good enough, did what he needed to do, led the, the, the team down the field for the game-winning field goal by the backup kicker, and Illinois wins 9-6. This team has the number one scoring defense in the country, and they haven't played Iowa every week. They have the number two... Yards per game defense in the nation at 228. That's second to, oh yeah, Minnesota, the team they're playing this Saturday. 
Defensive coordinator Ryan Walters has done an amazing job with this Illinois defense that had 11 tackles for loss, five sacks, six quarterback hurries, and eight passes uh, broken up against Iowa. And again, let's set up the matchup now. We've got the nation's two top defenses. Statistically, they are not the two top defenses in the nation, but they are playing top 10 caliber defense. Both of them. Minnesota at Illinois coming up this Saturday. This should be a tremendous battle. Old school Big Ten football. Again, the aforementioned Tommy DeVito left with an ankle injury, but the Big Ten Network reported that he came back to the field. He had no limp, and he should be ready to go. And, yeah, they probably need him. Artur Sikowski, nice job. Credit you with the win. He's been in the Big Ten forever. He's he's a program kind of player, but no. Illinois needs Tommy DeVito against this Minnesota defense. Minnesota, on the other hand, hopefully Mo Ibrahim, one of the best running backs in the nation, did not play against Purdue in the loss against the Boilers last week, had the week off to try to come back here for consecutive 100-yard games this season. And without Mo against Purdue, that vaunted Minnesota rushing attack, 21 carries, 48 yards. That was by the running backs. I took out the sack yardage, 21 carries, 48 yards by the running backs. So two key injury situations there. Minnesota, Illinois, the Gophers are a three and a half point favorite on the road. The over-under is 40 and a half. Cali football fans, the season seems to get better each and every week. The matchups are ridiculously good and getting better now that we're in conference play. You're looking for the best seats at the most competitive prices, and we want to make sure you take advantage of Ticket Smarter and their mobile app. We know that buying college football tickets online requires trust, and Ticket Smarter has partnered with more than 100 universities and 24 conferences as their official ticket resale marketplace. They have also partnered with ESPN Events as an official ticket resale partner as well. And with the best selection of NCAA football tickets, Ticket Smarter makes sure fans from all over the country experience the power and excitement of college football live. Purchase your tickets quickly, securely, and at the best prices in the secondary market with the Ticket Smarter mobile app or at TicketSmarter.com. And we've got an additional offer for those listening to all our podcasts here on College Gridiron Coast to Coast. Take 5% off your purchase of $100 or more with our promo code GRIDIRON22. That's GRIDIRON22 for 5% off your order of $100 or more. And that code isn't just a one-time deal. No. Use our code as many times as you want this season for the best selection of college football seats to the biggest games. Check out the selections and the pricing now with Ticket Smarter, and remember our code GRIDIRON22. Think smarter, ticket smarter. Now let's get to the Titanic matchup in the Big Ten Eastern Division. Penn State at Michigan. Penn State has had a rough last few trips to Michigan, minus the COVID year in which they went to Ann Arbor in 2020 and pulled out a 27-17 win, but the last few trips to Michigan otherwise have been rough, but this Penn State team has maybe the best running back and offensive line combination. Best running game that they've had since Joe Pa. Saquon Barkley aside, I'm not talking about dynamic single player 
amazing talent, first-round NFL draft choice guy. I'm talking about running game, offensive line, running backs combination. Best Penn State has looked in so many years running the football. They've gone from bottom five in the nation to number 33 in yards per game and also in yards per carry. Katron Allen, excellent running back. He would be the star. He would be the storyline here, except Nick Singleton is averaging 7.3 yards per carry. He's the number one rated running back coming out of high school. And bam, he's in the lineup and he is showing that he's an emerging star. But despite the running game being so important for Penn State and, and taking such a leap this season, the most important assignment for these Penn State offensive linemen is going to be in pass protection against this Michigan pass rush that was all over Connor Baselick and uh, Indiana this past Saturday. Now, a lot of that had to do with IU's atrocious offensive line. However, Ayabi Anoma, the freak athlete, the guy that was originally signed by Alabama, he went to UT Martin, he had all sorts of issues off the field, but seems to have found a home at Michigan, and he is getting more and more reps every week, and he is showing out. Four tackles for loss, two and a half sacks this season, and again, he is it's, it's more, it's, you got to watch the guy play. It's beyond the stats. He's putting pressure on the quarterback, and he is a freak athlete, and he is only getting better. Good sign for the Wolverines here is they ran the ball against Iowa two weeks ago. Nobody runs on Iowa, and the Wolverines ran for 172 yards, so if they can do that against Iowa, they've got a chance of being able to establish the run against Penn State. The Michigan wide receiver room is probably pl- taking on the best secondary in the Big Ten with Joey Porter, Jair Brown as two picks. This is a talented Penn State defense. So, J.J. McCarthy, don't make any mistakes against this Penn State secondary. The early line in this one, Michigan at home, six and a half point favorite. The over-under is 51 and a half. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Big Ten Paradigm, part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Network. Check out all the podcasts. You won't be disappointed. You love college football, so check out all the podcasts and get yourself informed and entertained right here on the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Network. Join us over on YouTube at The Voice of College Football as well. Best discussion, debate, and analysis every day for college football. This is the Big Ten Paradigm. Appreciate you being here. See you next week. Enjoy the games.